Welcome to the Compassionate Warrior. This is a podcast about rising up and becoming a warrior, empowering women through compassion and strength. Each episode, we will be interviewing strong women from all walks of life and learn from their journey. It's 2020. It's time for change. As just like what Nelson Mandela have said, be the change we wish to see in the world. 2020 is a critical year for climate action. And today we do have a very special guest. Her name is T.P. Toll. She's an award-winning visual journalist who believes less is more, especially when it comes to trash. She also has a degree in visual communication, a lifelong environmentalist. T.P. officially began her zero-waste journey on January 1st, 2018. She's also a natural problem solver, where she found creative ways to avoid waste, shared what she learned on her tiny trash can website and social media, her down-to-earth tips, non-judgmental approach, and sense of humor have won thousands of followers around the world. Her advice has been featured by CBC, The Washington Post, Toronto Star, Today Show, Real Simple, Home in Canada Magazine, Business Insider, and more, to where she has given numerous speeches and workshops in Quebec and Ontario, sharing her passion for tiny trash and inspiring audiences to rethink their daily habits. So welcome to the show, TP. Thank you. <laughs> it's 2020. Yes. Isn't it exciting? <laughs> <laughs> so before we begin, maybe you can share with us what is your New Year's resolution? So for 2020, my New Year's resolution is actually to reduce my recycling even more than I have so far. So in 2019, I took my recycling out only four times the entire year, pretty much once per season. And so for 2020, my goal is to reduce that, maybe only three times a year or maybe even get it down to two times a year. Wow, that's quite of a challenge. I hope everyone will participate. (laughs) (laughs) I think so often um, we've been told for so long that recycling is good for the planet, but I'd actually argue that it's too little too late it's quite not quite enough and so I actually encourage people to try to reduce their recycling by refusing reducing and reusing as much as they can well that's very interesting because people are very much okay you know what let's recycle let's recycle but from the sense of it it's just more of waste management than anything really Right. And, you know, we are producing way more recyclable materials than we can actually recycle. So I think we just need to stop thinking of recycling as this magic uh, fix for the environment. And we need to go back a couple steps and see if we can reduce the amount of materials that we actually need. That's a great idea. So can you please share with me your journey uh, with the zero waste lifestyle? So how did it begin? Uh, Who what? Who was TP before and what prompted you to go to zero waste? So I think like most people, um, I thought I was doing pretty good when it came to the planet. I thought I was doing everything, you know, that possible. I was recycling. I was composting. Um, I, I even drove a hybrid car. And, um, and then actually I attended TEDx Montreal Women back in 2017. And there was a speaker named Carol Devine. And she really woke me up to the problem with plastic litter. Her talk was really inspiring and it really got me thinking. I mean, after I left that conference, I I wanted to do something about it and I couldn't necessarily join a cleanup expedition like the ones that she had gone on and led. I mean, I'm a mom and I have, you know, I have responsibilities here at home. So I decided that what I could do was I could quit contributing to the problem. And so um, a month or so later, it was the new year. And uh, with my son, I decided that we were going to 
create a New Year's resolution to stop using plastic and to live with zero waste. And he has always been a nature lover, so this wasn't a, a hard sell for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's how that's how it all started. That's pretty interesting, you know. Like coming out from a TEDx, uh, Carol Carol Devane is like she's very great. I mean, after hearing her expedition, it's it's just like it makes you wonder, right? Like how can you know? Like it's so amazing that she was able to find trash. North Pole, like who, like what are the ads? And come to think of it, it's a reality of what we're facing right now, and it's a call of change that we needed to do, right, as a citizen. And what is the hardest thing for you uh, during your transformation to the zero waste lifestyle? I mean, it definitely takes a certain amount of uh, willpower and commitment, but because I felt so strongly about it, that wasn't really the hardest thing for me. I think the hardest part was when I would be in a social situation and trying to navigate those um, those moments where I was trying to reduce my waste and the person that I was with maybe wasn't as concerned or we were in an environment where eliminating or avoiding waste would be next to impossible and how to how to deal with those situations you know and I there's no like right or wrong answer it's um, you know sort of different for every situation but I think I got a lot better at figuring out how to speak up mm-hmm. and share what was important to me in a way that wasn't um, offensive or judgmental in any way to the person so I wasn't putting upon them my values but at the same time I didn't want their values be put on me. So it was just this constant, like, you know, navigation of uh, those sorts of waters. But yeah, but I mean, I think the rest was fairly easy. I think once you decide you want to do it, it's just a matter of finding alternatives um, for trash and doing it little at a time. You mentioned earlier that this started uh, also as a pioneer project at your son's school, right? Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that project that you've initiated? Yep. So around the same time, um, we decided to do a zero waste tr- um, lunchbox at my son's school, a zero waste lunch week, actually. And me and another mom were in charge of sort of organizing this. And they had tried to do a similar initiative the year before, but it was zero waste Fridays. And here I was, I was the mom of a child in Green Club, and I'd never even heard of Zero Waste Fridays, right? And I only found out because I was having lunch with my son on a Friday, and we were kind of just remarking at how many single-use, individually-wrapped snacks and things were ending up in the trash. And he said, yeah, and it's Zero Waste Friday. I said, Zero Waste Friday? What is that? And I think really before that day, I had never even heard the term Zero Waste. And so he told me about it and I said, well, that sounds like a great idea to basically not have any trash in your lunchbox, but I didn't know about it. So that's why the following year I decided to get involved and help the kids organize something um, that basically informed the parents better. And I also knew that doing it every Friday isn't going to create a habit. It has to be for consecutive days because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just buy the granola bars, but just not put it in the lunch on Friday. So it doesn't change your buying habits enough to really make a difference. So, but by having five consecutive days, that's why if you forget on Monday, that's okay. You still have Tuesday. And if you forget on Tuesday, you still have Wednesday. And, you know, if you know going into it that weekend before you, um, when you're buying your groceries, you're also going, okay, I'm a little bit more conscious. We don't want to buy anything in individually wrapped packaging or any single use items. So we, um, we did that. And how we started is we measured all the trash in the school. Um, yeah, we had the, the janitor. It was a group, group effort. We had the janitor collect all the trash for one day. 
and we sorted all of it. And we found that a lot was um, miscategorized, right? Where kids were putting compostable items in the trash or putting recyclable items in the trash. But even once we moved past that and we sorted everything by category, we realized that those single-use single-use um, plastics and uh, wrappers, like around you know goldfish and chips and Ziploc bag, those were the biggest um, culprits, kind of. And when we looked at all the categories of trash for the entire school, this wasn't just the cafeteria; this mm-hmm. was the entire school. Only about ten percent actually came from classrooms. Ninety percent of all the trash in the school actually came from the kids' homes through food. Wow. So um, by just addressing lunch and snacks, um, we knew we had the potential to make a big difference at our particular school. And so we just made a, a point of sending emails to the parents in mm-hmm. advance, letting them know this was happening, which was something that hadn't been done the year before, um, giving parents tips as to what would be in a trash-free lunch, um, alternatives to things that might be in their lunch now, like what would be an alternative to a, a plastic bag, what would be an alternative to um, a paper towel for the mm-hmm. napkin, things like that, yeah. and also give them ideas of what they could pack in terms of food, like leftovers, things that would work well in a school environment. So... Uh, we so after that week we measured the trash and it was a fifty percent over fifty percent reduction. That's great. Yeah, that's really great. That's quite of an achievement. And considering that is just like okay, this would be let's see how's the response or what would be the feedback from other parents. But since because you've actually able to measure it, you're able to provide some changes because look what you're looking at. You know, this is the volume that we're generating trash each week just from the school alone or from your household. So I think that people would be shocked to hear that this is the amount of waste they've actually bringing in along with their kids to school. So it's a quick, you know, it's a tough realization for a lot of, you know, parents out there. Well, and what was funny is when we had all the trash collected and the the kids in this uh, zero waste lunch committee with me, and we were five or six of us, we were sorting the trash. Um, It was right in front of the kindergarten classrooms and the kindergartners came out and they're like, whoa what are you doing is that all the trash from the whole year and I said no actually it's the trash just from yesterday and the kids jaws dropped so what we did before we launched a zero waste lunch week is we had a general general assembly with all the trash on the stage and we talked to the we showed the kids this is just from one day Imagine, you know, there's however many number of 180 days in the school year Mm -hmm. um, just so they could see because for kids and adults, you know, seeing something speaks volumes rather than hearing all these numbers, right? And so um, I think the kids could see that what they were bringing in their lunches had a direct impact. That's really uh, interesting. So let's say, for example, I'm a mom and I'm, I'm here to prepare a lunch for my daughter or for my son. Would it be a good exercise to actually count how many wrappers or how many trash I'm actually collecting? by just preparing one lunch for my kid. I think that's a good exercise for every parents to do. I mean, I think, so this is why I advocate for a tiny trash can in the home, because then you see um, what you're throwing away. I think that's like the first step because it makes you conscious. I think so many of us, we, we might buy something and throw it away at the restaurant or we we make our kids lunch and it gets thrown away at school. That's but true. if you actually have your kid just keep all the trash and you're letting bring it back home mm-hmm. and you start really thinking about all the waste that my family is generating um, and you see it, when you see it, then you also start to see, okay, 
here's there, this is a, this is the quantity, but then you also see potential solutions. That's really interesting. And I mean, come to think of it, I mean, when you're unwrapping stuff for small things, like let's say for example, just like granola bars, right? Putting stuff on a Ziploc, you know, juice boxes, straws, yeah. and stuff like that. Those are the biggest culprit that you mentioned earlier yes. too, as well. Put them, you know, times five. There's five days in a week that our kids go to school. That's X amount of trash that we're actually collecting and bringing, you know, bringing along with our kids to to their school and polluting everything else around us. So the juice boxes that the juice boxes and individually wrapped snack wrappers. Those are the two biggest um, garbage bags. Those two items. So if you can eliminate just those two, I mean. That was that was the, practically the fifty percent. Well, unfortunately, this is you know like consumers' world, right? So this is how we package all of our things, and you know all of those groceries. Everything is like for convenience, right? I think this is a good you know practice and a good call to encourage a lot of parents out there to start implementing or asking their kids to bring their own bottles, you know, for their own you know lunch boxes rather than having to purchase everything at the grocery store. Right? Take time. Um, Quick question here. So zero waste lifestyle always comprises of five R's methodology. Um, they would always use recycle, reuse, and all that. What would be yours in order? Okay, I'm gonna look at my notes here <laughs> <laughs> so I don't get it wrong. Um, I would say refuse, and I'm gonna do it like as the hierarchy. So first refuse, then reduce, Okay. then reuse, then repair, then repurpose. Um, Refuse means just refusing anything that we don't need that's not going to add to the quality of our lives. And there's so many things like freebies uh, that we're given all the time in the world. You know, this free T-shirt, free business card, uh, free uh, free toothbrushes at the dental's, you know, the dental office, free tasting at the grocery store, whatever it is. There's all these freebies. So unless you really need it, refuse it. Junk mail is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, Reduce. So the things that we do need, try to reduce the quantity that we're using as much as possible. Um, Reuse. So once we do have an item in our possession, let's reuse it for as long as we possibly can. And um, and that also means buying secondhand. So once an item is sort of in circulation, let's Mm -hmm. see if we can reuse it as many times as we can so that we prevent it from ever having to go to the landfill. And then, um, and then repairing and repurposing things. So, uh, you know, it's become more difficult, I guess, to repair things. Part of it is because um, manufacturers have designed products that way. It's mm-hmm. called planned obsolescence. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to buy products that are repairable and really trying to repair. Like, for example, um, my dryer stopped working at one point and I thought about maybe not going with a dryer at all. But um, I ended up finding a used part on Kijiji and got it fixed, right? So it's about thinking about repair first because it's so easy to say, oh, well, actually, I was thinking about getting a new one anyway, and that way I can get the latest and best whatever. Um, And it's sort of like it's become easier and maybe sometimes even as expensive or less expensive to replace Mm -hmm. instead of repair. But I'd encourage people to really think about repairing things buying things that you absolutely love that you want to take care of for as long as possible and then repurposing um so if you have something here's an example of this is uh the 
these are pajamas from my son. And by the time he had outgrown them, they were no longer nice. They were no longer nice enough to donate to a thrift store. So we just cut them up, and um, now we use them as handkerchiefs, cloth napkins. Uh, they're super soft. So that's just a way to repurpose something. Again, just giving it an extended life mm-hmm. uh, before we send it to, in this case, because it's 100% cotton, it's actually compostable. Exactly. It's, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can actually incorporate with our you know, routine and all that to just to be mindful of what other things that we could reuse or purpose, right? But just like what you said, refusing would be the first main important thing that we should be doing because by redoing so we're actually stopping them from being a consumer you know like and just like limiting our intake of all of those trash but rather okay what can i do with what i have and how can i repurpose it which yeah. is going to have a tremendous impact later on and and reducing is so powerful i'm so, uh, refusing i'm sorry refusing is so powerful because by refusing an item you literally stop waste at its source um, and you send a message to the people producing these items that they're not wanted or needed. And hopefully that will start to stem the flow <laughs> of all these products that are made over and over again. I just think about like, I don't know if you've ever gone to a thrift store or have gone to one recently, but they're full of perfectly useful items that somebody decided they didn't want anymore. And I just think about like in the whole world, we have enough clothing for everybody. We have enough of so many things that we don't really need to make anymore. Um, and you know, you'll notice that in my five R's, I didn't say recycling. Yes, you did. Not. I did not. Yeah, because recycling is just uh, a form of waste management. And really, even though it feels good to throw things in the recycling bin, because we've been told we're doing an environmentally friendly, effort, you know, gesture there. Um, it's, it's not really enough. It's basically a second trash can. And I think mm. a lot of people put things in there and it sort of makes us feel less guilty. But the problem with recycling is that it doesn't address the problem, which is 95% of a product's environmental damage has already occurred when it was created. So whether we recycle it or not, it doesn't it doesn't undo all the damage that's already been done by that product being created. That's why I advocate for mm-hmm. reusing as, as much as possible. And, um, yeah, so. But how cautious are citizens when it comes to recycling that is, it, it isn't really the solution to the problem that we're having right now? I mean, do, does the government do have enough advocacy or any program that would somehow educate the citizens about the waste management or just about being able to uh, push the zero waste management lifestyle? You know, I can't say. I think every... Every municipality, every government is different. I mean, I think, though, one thing that cities could do is stop giving people such gigantic trash cans and such gigantic recycling bins because those large sizes, they normalize and even encourage waste, in my opinion. Because if your trash fits in there, you don't think about it. You don't give it a second thought. If it it fits, you're like, well... I'm doing what's expected of me. Now, if all of a sudden everybody got a smaller trash can, you'd be like, wait a minute, it doesn't all fit. Maybe I'm going to start changing my habits, right? But these things are so big. And, um, you know, I have given talks at, um, at different community groups and for different cities that are interested in reducing their waste. And it, it does become a financial issue. And I hope at some point more and more cities will think about waste reduction as a way to save taxpayer money because uh, 
collecting all that garbage takes a lot. It costs money, right? It also means a whole bunch of fossil fuels that are being burned in the effort of collecting all of that waste. Landfills are um, extremely bad for the environment for a number of reasons. And uh, recycling, too, is very energy intensive. And such a small fraction of what we put in the recycling bin actually gets recycled. So that's a lot of wasted energy and effort. Um, and this is all very expensive for cities. You know, it's sad that, you know, companies have sort of pushed the responsibility of the of how the their products are going to be disposed of mm-hmm. onto taxpayers and cities. Like, they don't have to deal with what's going to happen to that plastic bottle. They just put the shampoo in there and they send it off and it's dispersed all over the place. And all these cities have to decide, they have to pay for what we're going to do with that plastic bottle at the end, right? So I'm a big advocate for um, having companies have more responsibility for the whole life cycle of their product um, and either paying for Mm -hmm. the disposal or bringing their products back so that they're responsible for the the repurposing or the recycling of their own products. Because if the res- the companies are responsible and it's considered their responsibility, suddenly they're going to see the inefficiencies in their system mm-hmm. and they're going to come up with better ways because it will be in their best interest. Right now, they don't have to pay for the disposal costs or the environmental costs of their products. Yeah, this is actually very true. I think also one more thing that I think we should consider is if, there could there could be ways where we could find companies where that are ethically responsible in actually thinking ahead of what would be the life cycle of each of their product that they created. I think consumer will be much more you know conscious of who they should be patronizing with or whatnot. Just like in clothing, I think uh, a lot of clothing uh, industry following the standards of okay, where is it like is it coming from a sweatshop or is it not right? So there's an app that where you could check you know okay who's whose company is really bad at these things and who should be patronizing or whatnot so i think that should be on more of a global aspect in terms of uh, consuming all of kind of products just like what you said bottles you know um plastic containers of all of our foods lotions and stuff like that i mean procter and grumble are big on this one (laughs) i don't know if it's okay to say these things but (laughs) but have they do you know anything about if they have considered on you know not only recycling but finding ways to actually better their packaging um there are some companies that are doing test um uh what do you call it the test service where they're doing consigned containers um i forget i think paris um new york and i forget there was another a third city that was a test city i think there was a city in Canada, actually, um, where they're trying to do a closed loop where you buy uh, things like ice cream in Mm -hmm. a reusable container. And then when you're done with it, you bring it back to the score. You know, you bring it back or you give it back. So this idea of having reusable containers, I mean, already we have systems like consigned uh, glass containers, Mm -hmm. which enable you to reuse the, the allows the company to reuse the bottle over and over again. So the solutions are there. I mean, we just have to remember that plastic didn't exist like a generation or two ago and we all managed just fine so it's a matter of kind of looking back at um what the solutions were then and sometimes the the solutions are so easy um it's just a matter of will i agree completely on that one in addition to using bamboo toothbrushes paper straws what other alternatives have you found of your day-to-day personal care products that we should incorporate 
with our daily practice. Okay. So one of the things that um, I'm a big fan of is having a zero waste like survival kit with you all the time. So um, as since I'm here with you today and I left my house, so I always bring these items with me. Um, of course, my reusable bottle, um, cloth napkin, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, I have a set of utensils. These happen to be bamboo, um, but I don't encourage anyone to go out and buy anything. Like I'm sure you have a spare fork and spoon in your, in your cupboard that you can bring with you. Um, and then I also bring a couple of containers with me because I'm going to be going out to dinner in a little bit. Okay. So what I like to do is I bring, uh, I like to bring two containers if possible. That way I can bring home lots of leftovers and they don't take up much space. And the great thing about, um, metal or plastic reusable containers is they don't weigh as much as glass and I don't have to worry about them breaking in my purse. So as you can see, these items don't take up much space at all. Um, in my bathroom, I've made a few changes as well. In addition to the bamboo toothbrush that you just mentioned, which you can compost, mm -hmm. um, you still have to remove the bristles. You'd have to pull them out with tweezers because okay. those are still plastic, but the handle itself is compostable. And in fact, before you compost it, you can even reuse it. Okay. Um, I use a uh, biodegradable silk floss that I buy refills for, and it comes in this nice little glass uh, reusable container with a metal lid. So glass and metal are easily recyclable, and the floss itself is compostable. Okay. So I this has replaced my plastic uh, dental floss. And where can they get this? Um, I have found it at like sort of eco-friendly boutiques. Um, even like any any store that considers that calls itself a zero waste store will probably have a lot of um, compostable or uh, zero waste products for uh, the bathroom. So that's where I found mine is like kind of organic grocery stores, eco friendly boutiques, and zero waste shops probably would be your best bet. And if nothing else, you could find them online. So Dental Lace is okay. the one um, where I got this container. This one's Planet Bamboo. There's a couple companies now that offer them, and you could buy them online. Uh, yes, so I've replaced uh, my plastic razor with um, this, which is a, it's called a safety razor, and it's made out of um, stainless steel, and the blades are removable and recyclable. Okay. So this is completely recyclable at the end of its life, but because it's so well made, it's going to last forever. So this is sort of an investment, and this replaces all disposable plastic razors, and it actually just makes my bathroom routine just feel so luxurious. <laughs> um, we, so this is my menstrual cup. I don't know if I need to necessarily, well, I'll open it. Um, so this I started using a couple years ago, and this replaces pretty much all sanitary pads and tampons. And um, it's supposed to last about 10 years. So this eliminates so much waste um, that comes from the bathroom, especially for anyone who menstruates. And um, this is some lip balm that my son and I made. I run a workshop at his school and we make our own lip balm. Well, the kids make it with me. Mm -hmm. And oh, do you smell it? The fun thing about oh, making really good. The fun thing about making your own products is that you can pick your own scents and you know exactly what's in them. So this is just beeswax. Um, think let me think. Vitamin, vitamin E, essential oil, and Think coconut oil okay. but anyway very very few ingredients and then this is i'm, I'm sure we all recognize this this is just a loofah, loofah. sponge yeah 
So of course, this is a alternative to like those plastic poofs that you might see in the shower. Mm -hmm. But I actually use this for um, scrubbing my dishes. So I don't use plastic dish sponges anymore. And then okay. at the end of its life, this is completely compostable. So I just cut this one off. I had actually bought a really big loofah for like $11. I think I'm going to be able to make about 20 sponges out of this thing. Wow. And the first ones that I cut off, I'm just now composting a year and a half later. So they last a really long time. And you can feel like it's really rough. You can get a nice good scrub it's great for scrubbing pots exfoliating too as well right yeah it's like and it's multi-purpose it's completely natural um some people depending on where they live they can actually even grow their own loofahs tropical places for sure yeah, not canada not but canada. <laughs> yeah so yeah so those are just a few of the items that i've kind of replaced in my home over time and these things i didn't like go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff at the beginning it's it's about looking at your trash every week and seeing what you're throwing away and your trash sort of tells you where you can do better. And so um, as we ran out of things, we replaced them with the most sustainable um, alternative that we could find. Going back to the menstrual cup, because yes. a lot of women, actually, um, we purchase X amount of tons of sanitary pads, right? Each month, there's like bajillions of it, and it's non-biodegradable, right. correct? It's made out, yeah, it's made with plastic. It's made of plastic. So... Are we actually uh, creating awareness for women or for young ones that's cool like to start using Diva cobs or menstrual cobs rather than buying sanitary pads and stuff like that? Well, I hope that women who are already sort of convinced that this is the way to go are showing their daughters. Um, I know I've talked with um, my son's school and then the school nurse, and she's actually started last year. She started um, showing girls in fifth and sixth grade um, alternatives to tampons and sanitary pads actually showing them reusable alternatives so like um, instead of a panty liner for example you can have a reusable um, organic cotton panty liner that snaps into your underwear um, so wow. she showed um, those examples and so I'm hopeful that as these women come of age they will be able to at least know that as an option I didn't know that these items existed I just made the switch a couple years ago and I wish, my only regret is not switching sooner because it's wonderful. Um, I feel it's much healthier um, for women. Uh, those products, unfortunately, have a lot of um, pesticides and chemicals in them. And we're putting them in some of their most delicate parts of our body. So um, by switching to something reusable, we actually just eliminate so many chemicals. Wow, that's very good. I mean, these are really great tips. And I hope that we could slowly incorporate simple things, you know, with our daily routine, um, just like bringing those steam cans for leftovers or just bringing your own utensils wherever you go, rather than opting to a plastics, right? And the dental floss, that's amazing. Those are silk, right? Yeah. So they're, they're even uh, compostable. So it's even better. So rather than actually opting those uh, dental floss that we normally get from our dentist or from the grocery store so you're not only you're you're actually you're it's refillable it's reusable and it's compostable so it's it's really wise and i hope all dentists would actually give out this instead of well and you know that um dental floss we know when you hear it it's waxed so it's coated in wax well that wax is actually plastic oh okay so good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so which is not something we necessarily want to be ingesting so that's another reason so many things that are healthier for the planet are also healthier for our bodies this is a positive loop back that we're talking about right yes. so we're becoming conscious of our of, of the things that we consume we're actually uh, trying to clean up and declutter everything and trying to make conscious effort not to 
accumulate all of those stress around us, which also have a positive impact internally because we tend to see things clearly and we're eating healthy, healthy living and becoming zero waste, you know, in our lifestyle, which do have a tremendous impact inside and out. I think it's been great for my own mental health. Um, so what's some advice for someone wanting to reduce the amount of waste they produce? What do you think would be the good starting point or good conversation? Or what do you think that you could suggest? Okay, I have two answers. I have a short answer and a long answer. So the short answer I, we, I kind of alluded to earlier, I would encourage people to start using a smaller trash can. Mm-hmm. So um, whatever your main trash can is in your home, for me, it was in the kitchen. I replaced the big, I think it was like a 10-gallon trash can with a wastebasket that came from my, my bathroom, actually, a small wastebasket. And I got rid of all the other trash cans in my house. So this this little gesture just makes it a little bit more inconvenient to throw things away. And that'll give you enough time to like, it'll prompt you to question what you're throwing away and could this have been avoided? So it's just this raising of consciousness and that smaller trash can allows you to see what you're throwing away um, as opposed to a big one that just sort of magically gets carried off and taken away. So I think that's the first step, just being aware of what you're throwing away. The the longer answer um, in terms of where to start is really just know yourself. So figure out what motivates you when you're making a purchasing decision or any sort of decision. Are you most motivated um, by how much something costs? Are you are you motivated by whether or not it's healthy? I think we all have these like driving factors in our decision making. Um, it could be values. You know, perhaps you're in, concerned about animal cruelty or you're worried about the environment. Um, for some of us, we don't care how much it costs. It just needs to be convenient because sure. we're really busy. So convenience could be like right up there. So I think it's important to really understand ourselves and and see if we can rank those things in order um like uh convenience cost values um aesthetics so Mm -hmm. i'm a graphic designer so aesthetics are very important to me and i know that that's something that will help me decide if i'm trying to decide between things the one that's prettier i'm sorry but i'm probably going to pick that one so Mm -hmm. i know that that's something that's just the way i am in terms of how i make decisions so i think once you have figured those out the the best advice I can give you is adopt changes that are in line with those um, driving factors that drive your decision. So let's say you're somebody who's really um, cost conscious. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't encourage you then to have your first swap be to go and buy an expensive reusable water bottle. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Um, if you're really concerned about time, I wouldn't say you're the person that I'm going to say, you know, you start cooking all of your own food from scratch. It just doesn't make any sense. It's you're going to set somebody up for failure mm-hmm. and they're likely not going to stick with that habit change. And these are all habit changes that we're talking about. These are not things that you necessarily do once and then you forget about it. Some of them are. When you make a replacement, once you run out of something, you replace it. Like, I'm never going to have to think about buying another razor ever again. But a lot of these changes require us to do them over and over again. So if you can pick ones that are in line with your the realities of your lifestyle and your personality, you're much more likely to stick with it. And if you're able to stick with it, that's where we start to see the potential for big change over the long term. Wow, those are really great tips. Really, thank you for that. I think uh, right after this, listeners would be like so enthused in like, okay, how we can go now from start to look at all of our ways and start implementing zero waste lifestyle. So I hope that would be a trend for 2020. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Should be everyone's New Year's resolution. Should be. I agree with you that. So tell me two fun facts about you. 
Okay, so <laughs> I had a hard time coming up with these, but I came up with a couple. Um, one is that I used to be a cheerleader in high school, <laughs> and it, which I don't know. I think I think it's weird looking back, but at the same time, I feel like. I'm kind of still a cheerleader now. Um, it might not be that evident in our conversation, but like I have um, an Instagram account, Tiny Trash Can on Instagram, and I feel like a big part of my role is encouraging others to um, to sort of ex- take on this challenge and um, give them lots of applause and thumbs up while they're making these changes because it's hard. And especially if you're surrounded by people who don't necessarily agree with some of the changes that you're making or are questioning it, you just sometimes need that support. And so I feel like I, at least I try to provide moral support and encouragement to people who are wanting to make these sorts of changes in their life. And then the other thing, um, I used to be a documentary photojournalist. Okay. And I used to go and do in-depth stories on all these other people and sort of was like a fly in the wall and they'd photograph their lives. And what I think is funny now is that I have become my own subject <laughs> because <laughs> I'm vlogging about what my son and I are doing on an almost daily basis. So I'm actually photographing our lives through our trash. Um, so anyway, it's sort of like taking my documentary photojournalism degree in a direction I never dreamed of. Which has more positive impact, right? Because now it is a time for it. Everyone's calling for an action because climate change is happening and we need to be conscious about it. So it's perfect timing. All right. So one last thing, since our theme is being a warrior, what is being a warrior means to you? So I think it means fighting for what you believe in. But if I'm able to maybe soften the language a little bit, I would actually say it means working for the kind of world that we want to leave behind for the next generation, for the planet, basically. So that's very good. That's very good. I think that's, you know, that's everyone else's advocate. I mean, we all look forward to having a better world, not only for ourselves, but for our kids and for the kids' future. So we never, if we start looking ahead and what would be like our life 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I think if we envision that kind of life, and the surround that we will have, we will have a greater impact on how we can do small things now so that the, you know, the next generation won't have to suffer anymore. All right. So, well, this is a very great and really fun interview. I really enjoy <laughs> learning about the small things, not to mention, you know, you're still a cheerleader, just to say, just because right. you still have that in you. Whenever <laughs> we talk about it, you get all the energy pumped out talking excited. about zero waste management and stuff like that. So, Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your time. So where can our listeners get more info about Zero Waste Lifestyle? Uh, You mentioned you do have a website. And are there any upcoming events that we can invite our listeners to? Yes. Okay. So my website is tinytrashcan.com. And from there, you can link to different my different social media profiles so depending on if you're a Facebook person or an Instagram person or a Twitter person I try to post in all those places and then in February I'm really excited I'm going to be speaking at the TEDx Montreal Women Salon event which is all about climate solutions and what people can do in their everyday lives to affect climate change and that's happening February 8th 2020 here in Montreal so I think that's going to be awesome and they're covering some really interesting topics like um finance and water security food waste it's going to be a great event so we would like to invite everyone to participate and join us for the upcoming tedx montreal women's salon 
happening on February 8, 2020. It starts from 10 to 5 p.m. Uh, it's going to be at the St. Denis Theater, right? Yes. Perfect. So tickets are still available. So whenever you get a chance, feel free to get some information at TEDxMontrealWomen.com. Uh, and yeah. we do have a Facebook page too as well. And you want to hear more about TP and the rest of the speakers, come see us on February 8th. So once again, thank you so thank much you. for giving us your time. This is such a fun um, interview. I really had a great time. So for all listeners out there, we encourage you to start thinking about your trash, uh, start creating a healthy lifestyle, a zero-waste lifestyle. It's part of being a warrior. Let's think about our future. So once again, this is your host, Alpha Gumbach, the Compassionate Warrior. So if you have comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at the compassionate warrior 2019 at gmail.com you can watch a stream on youtube or you can send us a quick um shout out on instagram so once again the compassionate warrior by alpha Kumba.